Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, non-binary, distinguished guests, welcome to Ridiculous, the life of a clown. Hello, AD Bug. Welcome to Ridiculous Life of a Clown. Um, please tell everyone who you are and what you do. Well, my name's AD Bug, and uh, I'm a lot of things. A musician, voiceover artist, um, and a puppeteer. And that's why we're talking today. That's wonderful. So what brought you to um, puppeteering in the first place? You know, when I was a kid, we moved around a lot. Um, I ended up going to 18 different schools from 1st to 12th grade. And... Uh, my parents were missionaries. We didn't have a lot of money and um, not a lot of toys. And so I had a few puppets that were kind of like my dolls or my toys. And, and that was pretty much it. And when we'd move somewhere, I would take like one of the cardboard boxes from the move and I would make a little puppet theater. And that's how I would meet the kids from the neighborhood is I would create these characters. And I was an only child. So... I had lots of different voices and stories and, you know, it was how I kept myself entertained mostly. And so you've been doing this since you were, since you were a child, since you were a little kid. Yeah. Little, little. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Um, you know, it was interesting because growing up in kind of a Pentecostal environment, there's lots of entertainment and ways that they try to like get you involved in, you know, religion with, things and puppets was one of them so after you know when I got a little bit older then I got involved with you know some of the things in the church and and stuff like that I think I told you too our family was part of a Christian circus circus alleluia and so there were they didn't use nets um so there there were all of these opportunities where I could utilize my you know love of storytelling and um probably fear of stage to be able to puppeteer. I mean, I started singing the first time I started singing professionally, I was five and I sang for about 2,500 people and I was terrified, you know, I did it. Um, I had three solo songs and I did it, but I was terrified. And so I think very early on as an introvert, even though I love talking to people, I love meeting people um, the puppets were kind of a great way that I, I could separate myself, you know, from new things and still be involved. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, that's so interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm unsure where to begin because this little alien, I mean, the, the world of, of puppeteering is definitely, you know, elsewhere on the spectrum from clown and, and, and improv and so on. Um, you build your own puppets? I do. Um, and, and that, that comes from, well, let me give you a little bit more backstory. So, of course, again, we moved around a lot. And so not only did I have my own puppets and did I make little puppets and things, but I was really into paper puppets and shadow puppetry. Oh, cool. And that was a whole nother side of it. So I could make other little creatures and have, you know. Um, and that was just like something that was part of me growing up. So when I was a, uh, about 18, I um, went to work for Disney in Florida. And I was a character performer and, um, I was a chipmunk on a cruise ship for about a year. And, uh, then Disney had partnered up with Jim Henson and they were doing a show called the Disney crew. And it was a kid's anti-drug puppet show. It's so funny because I found the cassette of the show the other day, <laughs> like the audio cassette, um, cause it was scripted and, and, the, and, Jim Henson and his crew had done all the voicings and there was like a cocaine puppet named Coco Kane with sparkly <laughs> eyes. And, um, I actually played Mary Jane, who was uh, not, I, I played Mary Jane, who was like a Disney character, but then I also played marijuana, the puppet. Um, and so during that whole time, it was, it was really awesome because we got trained by the Hensons. We got to work with Jim. Actually, he left Orlando, and that's when he passed away. It was pretty traumatic because he was working with us on our show, but he was also doing a Muppet Show thing at, at, um, at Disney MGM. And so that's where I learned to make proper puppets. Like, I learned to make Muppet-style puppets. And, and actually, the Disney crew show that I did, the cast that was right before us they picked one of the puppeteers, got really close with Jim and them, and he ended up playing Baby on that show, Dinosaurs, that they did. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, it was really cool because, you know, there were definitely opportunities that were opening up. Like, right as I was leaving Disney, um, they were just starting to audition for The Lion King. So, you know, it was like, there were always opportunities. And so I got to travel all over the country doing the show and um, really learn not only, like, traditional kind of Muppet style puppeteering, but we also use like full body puppets where our arms were fake and we were inside the puppets being like, I was a stomach for instance, like when they were doing the thing about, there was a character called Al Kohal and he was like a big old bubble bear with the cowboy hat on. And um, when he was talking, we'd talk about, you know, how it would make us sick and we'd run into the audience with this giant stomach and be like, onto the kids. And you know, it was just, <laughs> crazy we'd wear these white masks and it was super super fun so after disney there was kind of a long span where i was doing lots of different things you know i um my band had gotten signed i was traveling all over the country and you know it was a really great time for music and um and that happened for about 10 years and then and during that time, I was living in San Francisco. I lived in a warehouse with a bunch of freaks. And, you know, there was music happening. There was arts happening and all that stuff. So as as I left the band label, all that stuff, and that all that stuff began to wind down, I was in 
Fullerton um, with my partner at the time. And he had taken me to see this really avant-garde puppet show that was happening. And uh, like, I remember one of the puppeteers, the whole thing was she, like the puppet was in love with this bridge and wanted to have sex with this bridge. And it was this whole, like, almost like a romantic monologue of this puppet in this bridge. And it was really kind of weird and uncomfortable, but also kind of sexy and uncomfortable. Um, and so I ended up, I, I met with the woman who ran the thing and I told her that I was puppeteer and did she need any help? Well, as it turned out, she was doing a piece at, um, at this big puppet like convention and there were going to be like a hundred puppeteers and from all over the world. And she had this piece with five shadow puppet theaters around the top, but then two Bonraku puppets. Do you know what Bonraku is? Uh, explain it to me. So uh, Bonraku is a traditional style of puppetry where you have a half size, like a, like a full size puppet is like a half size human. And yeah. traditionally you would have three puppeteers puppeting it. One would be doing the mouth and the left arm, an additional one puppeteer for the right arm, and then someone else to do the legs. So because we had kind of a smaller cast, there were two of us puppeteering each of the puppets to really give you that, like, this is a living, breathing thing. And so the show was really incredible. I had a really incredible time because I had done shadow puppetry before. I had done Muppet style Muppets before. I had done marionettes. You know, I had built all those different kinds of things. But Banraku was like this whole other level of like really transcending, making this thing feel alive. So it was really great. And um, we did this big show and it was standing room only and, you know, with all these other puppeteers and stuff. And it was such an incredible experience. And I got to see so many other different art forms. But when I did look back at the show that I was a part of, it really was such a powerful statement, you know, with, with the magnitude of it and, and this beautiful kind of Japanese driven story about the moon and, and uh, moon cakes and, you know, the, Anyway, so yeah, so then after that, um, I got invited to start uh, teaching just like puppeteering at this like summer camp for art kids. And then I got so like involved with all these different styles that I wanted to explore with the kids that then I started working on what I'm working on now, which is my kids show and integrating animations and puppets and all kinds of stuff. All right. I know you probably have questions. No, that's amazing. Um, I've got a couple questions to jump to the forefront. Um, I want to talk to you about what's integral to the work of a puppeteer. But before that, um, how did you get started with Disney? We kind of glossed over how you got started with Disney, how I mean, that process I, was like. I, you know, it was interesting because I grew up um, all over, uh, but we kind of landed in Florida, like my last, you know, year, few years especially. And so Orlando was right there and I was, you know, it was just the need for a job. And so when I first went to apply at Disney, they're actually pretty horrid in the way that they kind of pick and separate people. Like if you don't look good enough, then you're definitely going to be in janitorial. But if you have the right look 
um, then, you know, you can be a ride operator. But if you have the right look and talent, then maybe you can be in the show. So they were auditioning for uh, a new ride called the Great Movie Ride at Disney MGM Studios. And they were looking for these character performers who could shoot guns and play cowgirls and play, you know, all the gangsters and different parts. And that's where I started. So I started as a cowgirl on the Great Movie Ride doing a stunt show. How old were you then? Uh, I was 18. Wow. I mean, it's, it sounds like a, a grind to get in and, and maybe not the best process, but what a, what a great way to, to, to get started, to get, to get flowing where you're, where you're actively performing at such an early age. Um, yeah, I didn't come to performance. Uh, until until like my late twenties, early thirties, that I finally started doing clown. I started off as um, as a barroom professional wrestler in Portland, Oregon, which oh, I think wow. where you are. Yeah, I was part of uh, Portland Organic Wrestling, and that was when I first started doing uh, actual performances as a clown. And um, that led me to moving to San Francisco to go to the Clowns Conservatory. And the last fifteen years of of doing clown and improv. Um, so back to my, my other question, um, what is integral? What is, what is at the core of the work of a puppeteer? I mean, I think there's a few things, you know, first of all, just when you put on the puppet, being able to transmit focus from yourself to the creature and to really allow it to shine, right? So if you're there with it or not, that's fine. But just to be present that it is the focus, right? So that's that's the main thing, is being aware of it. And secondly, the eyes. Keeping, you know, it's real easy to be like this, right? And nobody talks like this. You know, nobody flaps their head back when they're talking. So as a puppeteer, you know, the first thing we learned in the Muppet style of puppeteering is we would put ping pong balls on our knuckles and Focus those eyes at the camera and make sure as we're talking, constantly practicing, constantly moving your hands, constantly articulating those head turns, those things, those little nuances that make us feel, you know, like we're connecting with somebody. The way we turn our head or quirk our smile or or however we do it to convey that feeling, we have to transmit that into the puppet. Just being hyper aware of like it, it's the thing. And I think that's really it is just the desire to want to communicate with somebody else <laughs> like through this thing. Right. In your thing, I think, you know, you have the makeup of the clown, you have the outfit, you have your props. Right. And I, and I have this whole other creature that I get to use. But not that different, I don't think. Yeah, no, no, I, I can see that. Um, it's just translation a way of a way of a way of of making a taking taking internalized aspects of yourself and putting them onto this the secondary uh image the secondary persona and and putting them forward that way no i get that i get that entirely um so what are some of the pros and cons of of working in your form of being a puppeteer i think first when you first talk to somebody and tell them that you're a puppeteer, um, which is not something I ever lead off with, 
People are definitely more interested in like, oh, you did some voiceovers for some video games, or oh, you're into animation. Um, but when I say puppet, their first inclination is like, oh, little kids. Uh, but then when they see the puppets or they hear them, um, I think people are often surprised at how they engage with it and not me. Um, so I think, I think the hard thing is obviously being taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, but it's funny because if you watch TV now, more and more commercials have puppets in them. It really, you know, allows you to do something, I think, quicker than you could maybe with an animation. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think the pros are that people are finally starting to get that it, it is more than just for kids. And I think it helps with, you know, like Brian Henson and his team do puppet up and they go out and do live improv puppet theater. And those kinds of things help because it's adult puppet theater. Um, but it's still, I think the hardest part is just well, recognizing that it's like a skill and that it's not just for little kids. To what degree is improv, <clears throat> pardon me, I lost my voice for a second. To what degree is improv part of your work? I mean, I would say, like, you know, it all comes from improv. Okay. Like, the hardest part for me is just remembering what we did. <laughs> okay. You know, it's really important to, like, be pl- press record all the time because the best stuff ha- happens when you're just mm-hmm. playing around. When I you're mean, riffing. You know that. So on that note, uh, what is your process for creating new work? How do you go about it? I take a bath. Uh, I find that if I take a bath or a shower, I have the most clarity. Um, and I, most of the time I don't have a plan. It's more of an inspiration that just strikes and I go, Oh, that's the thing. And then from there I can kind of sit down and like, finish the thought like the other day um, I was in the shower and I had seen a planet fitness ad and I thought it would be really funny to do a plant fitness ad, you know, with like banana, like doing the ropes and just, I'm a banana, you know, and just the different characters and it all just kind of formed in my head, you know, and like apples, like, pushing up like I'm working on my core you know just it's like it's it's those kinds of things that are just like those inspirational nuggets I have a couple intentional things I'm working on um, a series for kids of all ages that teaches chicken care oh Um, cool because I have chickens and a lot of people don't know just the basics you know they don't know that within a couple days the chickens go from eating you know, just a little bit to pellet to like lettuce and strawberries and things. And so just to turn people on to stuff. But, I, th- you know, again, it's one of those things where if I use puppets, if I use animation, people don't feel like they're learning something, but they are. And I think they're less intimidated to be like, oh, this thing is going to like try to teach me. But instead, it's just like, oh, no, we're going to have fun. But you're also going to learn some stuff. I tried to... I've given it a couple of shots, but it's just been hard to find the right people to work with. And I'm not naturally a puppeteer. It's not my background. It's something I've been trying to teach myself, but not something I can devote, you know, the real 
input, the real hours to developing and mastering. But I tried to put together a show um, just for video for teaching kids about bodily autonomy, you know, control of your own body, ownership of your own body, um, the, just the base levels of, of, of consent education. Um, because there's nothing out there for teaching kids about bodily autonomy right now. Um, and that's what I got my, my, my crappy puppets from. You can see one of them over there. Um, the other one's dressed better. The other one isn't in his factory outfit. He's got a nice little pinstripe suit and everything, and I gave him a haircut. But that's about as close as I came to making making these puppets. And and, and I ended up having to puppeteer all three of do both of the puppets and the third role myself, and it just it just did not work out. Um, yeah, it's definitely it definitely is a team sport. Like mm-hmm. it definitely helps to have you know at least one other set of hands around just to pick up an arm or a prop or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but using it for education, that's, that, that was, that was my goal and, and teaching something that is that where there's, where there's a niche that hasn't been filled yet. Um, okay. Talking about your work. Um, here's, here's an unusual one. Uh, what's the weirdest gig that you've ever had or a weird gig? Oh man, that's, Huh. I mean, we did some really weird, you know, we did some really weird puppet stuff out at Burning Man. <laughs> uh, we were making puppets out of junk and we, you know, but, you know, it's not weird for Burning Man. Yeah. So it's like, um, I would say like the weirdest stuff wasn't necessarily stuff I've been a part of, but just like I got to observe, you know. I think, I think when it comes to my own puppetry, I'm much more about. I'm, I think it's, it's funny that I say this, but I'm I'm more practical. Like I tend to be like I, like you. I want to edutain, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to do it in a whimsical and light way. Um, but I've definitely seen some other stuff that people have done that you know, like I said, like the the woman who was having sex with the bridge. Those those kinds of ideas are are really interesting to me, but you know, as freaky as I'm involved with different things, I think I'm a little bit more normal than that. So anyway, <laughs> I know that doesn't really answer your question. No, it does. It's great. Um, so, uh, is what is a role or project or something like that that you've always wanted to pursue but haven't been able to do do logistics or budgets or whatever. What's what what is what is your dream project that you haven't been able to sink your teeth into yet? Uh there's a couple things. I mean my dream above all dreams is to be able to do some puppet film work for SNL. That's like okay. my if I could have a little moment on Saturday Night Live that would like make my entire life um but on a bigger scale uh there is there's a movie from the 70s called The Point okay um and it's about I I don't know if you know it I don't so it it, all the music was written by Harry Nielsen who is a huge inspiration Mm -hmm. for me um is narrated by Ringo Starr And this story is about the land of point where everything and everybody in the land of point has a point. And then a boy is born named Oblio who is born without a point. Uh, But it turns out that he does have one uh, metaphorically speaking. So it's a, it's a beautiful animation and it's um, 
it's one of those things that I always go to when I'm feeling kind of crappy. I'll watch the point and I'll be like, I do have a point. And, um, and that's a show that I would love to bring two puppets to a stage. Uh, there's so many amazing characters in it. So th- that's probably like my biggest puppet dream aside from like, come on, SNL, call me and say, hey, put together a short for us. Um, that sounds amazing. And I'll, I'll check out the movie. I've never seen it. Right now I'm, I'm trying to work on um, a thing where, where clown and improv overlap in, in a kind of improvisational circus show, but it's in its, it's in its, it's in its very foundational uh, space right now. Um, so uh, I've got one more question for you and then we'll, we'll start wrapping it up. Um, we, so that's more like three more questions. Um, what's your theoretical framework for knowing if something will be good before you get it in front of an audience? How do you know that what you're putting together is going in the right direction? Uh, if it makes me laugh and I can't get it out of my head, you know, if I keep thinking about it and it, and it makes me laugh or it makes me emote in some way. But I also have a battery of people in my life who I have beta test stuff. And I'll be like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, and then I can tweak it. I think not that different than any like stand up comedian or, you know, anybody else who's telling a story. You definitely want to like, you know, work, work your friend network and be, you know, make sure that it it feels to a broad variety of people. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you just kind of trust your gut and be like, I think this is funny or I think this is interesting. And, and I think you know, right? Like, if if it's forgettable to you, it's forgettable to other people. If if it keeps bouncing around in your head, and it sticks, then then it sticks. I, I feel very much the same way. I, I get a lot of very different answers to that question uh, over the course of the podcast. Really, um, and a lot of people feel like you can't know it's good until you get in front of an audience and things like that. But I really feel personally that your sense of humor your own personal sense of humor has to be what you're aiming at. You have to be aiming at the things that you find funny because it doesn't matter what the audience finds funny. There's an audience for your humor. There are other people. There are a thousand other people who think the same things are funny that you do. You may just may not have found them yet. But if you, if you find the, the real visceral, mirthful humor in it, then it's funny. And that's, and that's what you should pursue at least as far as, you know, comedy goes. I'm assuming that's true of, of other forms of storytelling and, and other forms of, of you know, visceral sure, reactions. Even the, even the music. I mean, if if I'm working on a melody and it is just, I cannot get it out of my head, then that's a winner. Like, that's something that, you know, we know we have to work on. If I don't remember it at all, clearly it's not, it's not worth going back and, and visiting, you know? So I think you know. Is there... Is there much, I mean, obviously puppets and comedy are, there's a corollary, there's a parallel there. Um, is there much in the way of, of, of drama and tragedy in the puppeteering work that you've done or experienced? I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've done here later in my life has been much more dramatic. You know, it's been much more kind of life and death stuff. And, and the stuff that I'm working on with the kids show, you know, not unlike what you're doing, I'm working on a segment right now I haven't released called Misunderstood. And basically my, my main character, you know, she's a little bit punk rock and she 
um, always feels misunderstood. And I, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to allow her to like be upset, you know, but also kind of like figure out what triggered the upset. And then, you know, using our little toolbox of like our breathing or our, you know, um, I don't know if you do meditation, but there's a meditation technique called noting where if you're, you know, in meditation, the whole idea is to just kind of empty your mind, right? So you're not carrying around a bunch of stuff. And so the idea of noting is when a thought pops into your head, instead of acknowledging and opening the thought and spiraling into it, you go, oh, I'm having a thought. And then you let the thought go. You don't even acknowledge what the thought is, but just by acknowledging that there's a thought that exists, you're able to let it go. The same with feelings. Oh, I'm having a feeling. And you can just let that feeling go without having to dwell in that. And so I think there's a lot of tools that kids need, adults need. You know, I wasn't given the right tool set. The, the tool set I was given is, why don't you pray about it? And, um, you know, if you don't have that framework of like someone else's life experience to be like, oh, I did this and it didn't work out for me. Or I did this and it did work out for me. You know, it's it's really frustrating. And so as a kid, to be able to have a few tools where you could be like, hey, I know when I need to ask for help, or I know that right now I'm feeling really stressed out, so I need to breathe. And that will help me clear my mind. And so that's the stuff I'm trying to work on now. You know, the same kind of stuff that, that you're thinking about, which is really just giving kids a vocabulary and a toolbox to function better than we were given. But with that's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, okay, just a couple more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, where can people find you on the Internet to find your work? Where can people follow you and see what you're doing? So um, I have a few videos on YouTube right now. Um, the show is called Wonder Stuff, W-U-N-D-E-R-S-T-U-F. And uh, right now, again, I'm, I'm just putting up, there's a few songs. There's a puppet song that I did called Get You Better. Um, and there's about, I don't know, 15 or 20 puppets in that video, uh, that another puppeteer helped with. Um, and then some of the chicken videos and then just uh, some other little things. Uh, but it's right now, you know, I'm kind of one of those people who I process, 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 and then I work, 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 work. So I've been spending a lot of time organizing these songs and building the songs and all the different things that go along with the show. You know, like I, I wrote a new birthday song, but it's not, it's not a song that people would sing to you. Uh -huh. It's a song that you would sing to yourself, you know, maybe when you're having that alone birthday or when people have forgotten your birthday. Um, but it's something that one of my puppets sings and it's just, you know, it's my birthday and I'm glad that I am here. Can't believe that it's been another year. Well, remember all the little things, the laughter and the tears, just happy to be here. And so it's just this idea of like, even when we feel sad and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be mad. It's okay to feel all the things, what we do with those feelings, how we turn those out. We can take our anger and we can turn that into a punk rock song. We can, you know, take that sadness and we can make a really incredible deep painting with it. We can, you know, take that joy and we can make an incredible happy dance. So if we get, you know, if we just know that we can do all those things, that it's okay to feel, but it's 
it's what we do with those feelings that really makes us who we are. And that wasn't anything I was ever taught, you know, those were things I had to learn is that I, you have to make your life the way you want it. And it's not about money. It's about like joy and being okay. Even when you're not okay. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, Okay. Before I let you go, um, if you could tag anyone else to be on the podcast after you, who would it be? Well, I mean, of course, the first comes to mind is my friend Slater, who we both know. He's so, been on the he's been on the podcast. So, um, you know, Slater and I uh, had that warehouse together, um, and we were in the uh, Mystic Family Circus together. And it was Slater who turned me on to improvisational contact, like that whole idea of like working with someone else in a really physical way. And his clowning really helped me in my whole like interactions with other people when I'm in that team sport. Because when you're puppeteering with other people, you are butt up next to each other. You know, you guys are in each other's armpits. You're, you know, in it. And so to really... feel comfortable and confident. Um, you know what? I would say uh, if you were interested in a little bit more puppet stuff, the woman who brought me in to do that incredible shadow piece, Bonraku piece, this woman, Joyce Hutter, I would recommend her. And also my my partner, Devin Quintrell, who is uh, works for Burning Man now and lives in San Francisco. And... Uh, He's another incredible uh, puppeteer and artist and just all around fun guy. <laughs> Super cool. I'll reach out. Well, Adybug, thank you so much for your time and for hanging out with us and sharing with us about what you do and and where your inspiration comes from. So thank I really you. appreciate, I, I appreciate it. it. I, I appreciate right. you listening and, and uh, you know, and caring about puppetry. It's, it's really awesome. Thank you. All right. I will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on Ridiculous Life of a Clown. This program, as always, is made possible by your support through our Patreon, which you can find through www.picklewater.com. theme song by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech Music.